Amen. I started a series, The First Step to Your Greatest Successes in Life. And the first step to your greatest successes in life is learning how to say, God, not my will, not my way, but your will and your way be done. I've lived long enough now that I'm on the other half of my life's journey. And I can say I've made enough decisions that I've had to go around the mountain for, and I finally decided God's will and God's way is always better than my will and my way. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. By the way, I want to give a hello to Daniel and Kathy Bernard. Uh, they head up Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. They've been doing that for the, I don't know, 15, 20 years now. And they have served this city and this region tremendously. Would you welcome Daniel and Kathy Bernard? So nice to have you here. God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you. I don't have time to do much review. <clears throat> Last week, I discussed step one in reversing the curse of demonic disorder. The Bible talks very clearly about the fact that in the garden, there was divine order. And that divine order consists of God, Elohim, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, with God comes anything that God says, God's word. And then we had man. David says, what is man? That even though he is lower than the angels, you created him to be above everything your hands created. What is he? You crowned him with glory and with honor. In divine order, we have God first. Jesus said when he was asked, how do I enter into the kingdom of God? He said to a, a young man, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Isn't it interesting? He didn't just say love God. Because you could love God and love other things more. He said, love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. God has to be number one. If someone were to watch your day, if somebody were to watch your week, would they be able to say, God is the number one love of your life? Come on, church. If we want to have what they had in the book of Acts, we got to act like they acted in the book of Acts. Come on. You can't have it both ways. Divine order in the Garden of Eden, God was first. The moment God wasn't first, demonic disorder came into the garden. Those of you that have been following with me, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are visiting for the first time, I encourage you if this sermon grips you to have a look at previous messages and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But while ever God and God's word was preeminent, in the garden, in Adam's heart, there was divine order. And the moment Adam substituted the word of God for the word of a demon, a devil who was under his feet. Isn't it interesting? Jesus, the last Adam, came and he brought back divine order and put the devil back under our feet where he belongs. So many times our lives are in demonic disorder. 
Yes, we've asked Jesus in our heart, but we haven't followed the principles of divine order. God has to be first. I think there needs to be a lot of repentance in the church across the United States of America. I repent. There are things I have to tell God, hey, I got this wrong today. And to me, that's not a shame game to me, uh, nor is when conviction comes do I play the blame game. I wear it squarely and I say, hey, God, I'm trying to get it right. I'm sorry. I know you love me. And uh, I just confess to you my attitude was wrong. My heart was wrong. You see, God has to be first because if God isn't first, then whatever is first has just become God in your life. You cannot have divine order if anything else other than the divine one is in first place. I thought it was good teaching. Come on, give the Lord some praise. <clears throat> and so we had man, and then I've been teaching how Man is a triune being, just like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We were always meant to be first a spirit being. Man was crowned in, in, in God's glory. And he saw from the Spirit, he heard from the Spirit. He tasted in the Spirit, he smelt in the Spirit, he felt in the Spirit. He was clothed in the glory of God. And that serpent from the lowest of the kingdoms, you had man, then you had spirit, soul, body, then you had the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and then you had the demonic kingdom, and everything was subject to Adam. And when Lucifer came, he ignored the word of God, he challenged it, and he brought his word, and he used a serpent and a fruit, and he appealed to Eve's body. And the Bible says, when she saw that it was good for food and it was pleasant to the eye, he appealed first to the body. That is the lowest part of who you are. We spend so much time in the gym, so much time on the weight scales. We spend so much time in fashion stores. We spend so much time bathing and trying to beautify this outward body. And people are crippled mentally and emotionally because there is such a high standard and a false standard of what the body should look like. Even some of the most beautiful people in the world are crippled on the inside because they can never ever appreciate and feel like they are somebody unless they're perfect. It's all part of a trap, and it is a demonic travesty that he brings to humanity so that we're so hung up on what we look like on the outside. And then the, the devil appealed to their soul, the mind of intellect. He said, God knows that when you eat of this, your eyes will be opened. Hang on, they were already seeing from the Spirit. He said, God knows your eyes will be open. Yeah, they will. Your spirit will become dormant and you'll start to see from your natural eyes. And from your natural eyes, the whole world will start to stink. And then he spoke to the mind of his emotions in his soul. Also, in your soul, you have the mind of your intellect, the mind of your emotions and your will. And out of mental decisions and emotional decisions, we press our will and we make action, we take decisions, we take steps. I've said many times the best human decisions you can make are decisions that are made in agreement between the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions. 
when you make decisions that are purely logical and you don't consider the emotional ramifications to people around you and to you, it's not the best decision. And when you make an emotional decision, how many of you know you, when you make an emotional decision and there's no logic in it, it's usually not a great decision. The enemy brought demonic disorder. He reversed divine order. Christians today are still living in demonic disorder because only you can set the order of divine order in your life by who and what you prioritize. Only you can do it. And that's why the, the, the sin temptation had to come to each person individually, to Eve. Adam standing there, and he should have shut that snake up and said, hey, stop talking to my missus. I'm her protector. You got something to say, say it to me. Isn't it amazing that every guy wants to be able to think that that's how he would be in the natural if some uh, a bully came up to their wife? Men, why aren't we like that in the spirit? Come on, men. We need to man up. We need to stand up. We need to uh, be who God has called us to be and realize that it's not just about having a natural backbone, it's about having a spiritual backbone as well. Can I get an agreement? And so we need to reverse the curse of demonic disorder. Last week I shared step one. Today I'm gonna share step two. God help me. <laughs> the question, what brought about the disorder of the divine order? And the answer is they obeyed the word of the enemy over the word of God. Last week I talked about how step one to reversing the curse of the demonic order is about repenting and renewing your mind, the, the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions. Everything you've ever been fed, everything you've ever been told, everything you've ever seen through the eye gate or heard through the ear gate, Everything you've experienced and it ripped through your emotions and it stamped a, a yes, a seal on the things that you were taught about racism or any other lie. Those things need to be repented of because we make decisions moving forward in life based on our belief systems and what we feel emotionally. And we need to repent of decisions we've made and we need to line up our belief systems with what the Word of God says because the Word of God is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Can I get a yes? I put on the screen last week and I talked about Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation. Jesus has already made us a new creation, but the problem is all the garbage in your soul is running interference. The mind of intellect is filled with garbage, philosophies, ideologies, and wrong theology, and attitudes, and belief systems that are contrary to God's word. We don't live according to God's word, but then we want God to do according to what we want him to do. When we live according to God's word, we'll see how God can move accordingly. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. 
I said, and if you guys put it on the screen, you will never fully and successfully be able to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done until you start to renew your mind according to the word of God. There are things that we practice. There are things that we believe that don't line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ or the epistles of the New Testament. In church, we could wave the grace flag all we want, but Paul says that the grace that comes from God teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. I thank God that when I slip up and I mess up, that when I genuinely repent, and repentance is not crocodile tears, and repentance isn't feeling guilty because you got caught. Repentance is a change of mental opinion. And when we change our mind about our belief systems, that's repentance. When we make our belief systems line up with the word of God, I don't care how many successful people in the world are doing it. You can't. We're called to a higher standard. If I want divine order, I need the blessing of divine order. Listen, there are plenty of people in the world, they've got a blessing, but it's not the blessing of divine order. They have the blessing from the demonic disorder. And demons are happy to feed you ice cream and make you happy and make you giddy as long as you're not following Jesus Christ according to his word. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Somebody's telling us the truth. Come on, church. We look at the icons of success in society and we mirror their lives. I want to tell you there is a success that will lead you to hell. It will give you everything you want in this life, but it will take everything from you at the end of the subtotal. I want a success that brings me into the presence of God forever. Can I get an agreement here? I also said last week, if we want to walk and live in divine order, we have to reverse the process of demonic disorder by bringing every thought back into agreement with God's divine word. For those of you that are new, I know that I am talking fast, and if something grabs you, please, you're not, you're not acting inappropriately if you grab your phone and take a picture of it. I know when I go to conferences, I'm not a great note taker. Uh, and so when I see something or hear something that I want to remember, I whip out my phone, I take a picture of it so that I can read it again and again. All right, and that, that's what people in this place do, so don't feel funny if you want to do it. Um, that's not to say I have something worth saying, but I think God has something worth saying. Can I get an agreement? Repentance and renewing our minds is the first step to reversing the curse of demonic disorder. I want the flow of God happening in my life. I want the flow of God happening through my family and my children. I want the flow of God happening in my church. And the only way we can do that is through repentance and renewing of our minds. Step two. Now before I go on to step two about reversing the curse, I want to explain something very important. Because this never, I never hear this preached. And I've never read it in a book, but I've read it in the Word of God. You can grow your spirit. 
you can grow your spirit. Your spirit can grow or your spirit can be uh, backwards in growth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 80, Luke is writing about John the Baptist as a little boy. And he says, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Luke says the same thing. Now, Luke is a doctor. He thought differently than a fisherman. You know, God uses different people for different types of works, partly based on what he sees inside of them and because of the gifts and calling he's put in them. And Luke had a doctor's mind. He was more analytical. And so Luke makes a lot of points that neither Matthew, Mark, or John ever make. And I find Luke a very interesting gospel to read. And he says in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, speaking of Jesus, he said, and the child grew, now he's talking about Jesus, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You see, there is a dimension where you can be strong in spirit. Demonic disorder will put more attention and focus on what your body wants and what your soul wants. And while ever we feed the monster called the body and we feed the insatiable hunger of our soul, our spirit will always be deprived. What mouth you feed the most is the mouth that you will talk from the most. Turn to somebody and say, that was a good one. That wasn't even in my notes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> the mouth you feed the most is the mouth that you will speak from the most. It says that their spirit grew. I think it's really interesting that a doctor takes note of this. He's the only one that ever mentions this or references it. I think the dilemma in the church is that we do. No one's taught us about divine order. And so we are out of order in our own bodies. James says a double-minded man shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded. When you read that in the Greek, it says that he is literally hovering between two minds. The mind of the spirit doesn't want what the mind of the flesh wants. You can grow in your spirit. And so the second step to reversing the curse of demonic disorder is to bring yourself back into divine order. And man was never created to be body, soul, and spirit. It never ceases to amaze me. The world will always say, yes, we are body, soul, and spirit, or we are body, soul, and mind. And they always get it out of order. You know why? Because that's the order that Lucifer approached Adam and Eve in because that is demonic disorder. You were always meant to be first and primarily a spirit person. Listen, your physical body will die and go to the ground and you won't cease to live. Your spirit will go on living. So you tell me which is the better part of you. Heck, I've seen me in the mirror. I know which is the better part of me. 
It's my spirit. We've lived from our body and we've entertained our soul. And our body has been the eye gate, the ear gate, the taste gate, the smell gate, the feel gate, loading misinformation, the knowledge of good and evil into the mind of our intellect and our soul and into the mind of our emotions. No wonder Paul says, yes, you're a new creation, but you got to deal with the junk in the middle, the stuff that has been programmed into your mind and the stuff that's been programmed into your emotions. You see, you are a new creation. You are incredible. The fullness of the Godhead lives in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and the fullness of Jesus Christ lives in you according to the Word of God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. The fullness of God lives in Jesus. No one in their right mind will debate that. The fullness of God lives in Jesus Christ. That's verse 9. But verse 10 says, and the fullness of Christ lives in you. If I'm a new creation, why don't I see it? Because I've lived from my body and my eye gate, ear gate, smell gate, taste gate, feeling gate has spoken and filled my soul up with information and that information is horribly wrong. If you understand the soul from the mind of the intellect and the mind of emotions, we trigger our will and make decisions and we are building with bricks that are filled with the knowledge of good and evil. And we wonder why everything around us is crumbling. I thought so. Thank you, Galen. I need all the encouragement I could get. Divine order starts with you. No one can bring divine order to you. It's a choice you have to make every day. Every day you have to choose God's going to be my priority and the things of God are going to be my priority. Every day you have to choose, am I going to feed my body and please my body and am I going to put the bulk of my energies into my body and what my soul wants? My soul wants entertainment. My soul wants fellowship. My soul wants to, to be filled with experiences. It's a type of knowledge. We want to experience things. It feeds the mind of the intellect. It also feeds the mind of emotions. We all want experiences. And so most Christians are living life from their body and their soul. But the first man before the fall lived from his spirit. Lucifer said to Adam and Eve, when you eat of the fruit, God knows your eyes will be opened. He was right. Their natural eyes were opened. You see, in verse 6, it says, Eve ate of the apple and she gave it to her husband who was standing there like a spiritual dodo. Men, don't be spiritual dodos. You're meant to be a, 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 a mighty warrior. You're meant to be a covering. You're meant to be strong. Christianity isn't a wimpy thing. Maybe it's wimpy because men have abdicated for so long. But we need to stand up and take charge. 
We need to be like David's mighty men. We need to know what the Word of God has to say. Every man in this house, you need to get immersed in God's Word, and you need to get immersed in crying out to God. You need to become a spiritual leader so that you will be a spiritual hero to your wife and to your children. Somebody say amen. Yeah, hoorah! We got a generation that doesn't know whether they're male or female. And that's because in the church, men haven't learned how to be men. If we are a person primarily by who we are in the spirit, have we been spiritual men? Because if we bed spiritual men, there wouldn't be such an identity crisis of gender. You can't, expect, you can't expect divine order in the world when we've allowed demonic disorder in our own lives. And once there's demonic disorder in your personal life, you'll never keep it out of your house. You... Husbands who think, well, my wife is the spiritual one. No, you already have demonic disorder. You're both meant to be spiritual. Ladies, I'm not talking you down. Please don't misread me. I know there's visitors here. Don't misread me. You women are just as important. Men and women need to get off the fence and stop living from their body and from their soul. And we need to start being spiritual people, living from the spirit and pleasing the things that our spirit wants more than the things that our body wants and our soul wants. The soul craves entertainment and we fill it with entertainment. And if church ain't entertaining enough, we'll decry the fact that he went for 61 minutes. I got news for you today. We already went more than 61 minutes. How do you grow your spirit? How do we get divine order back into our lives, back into our families, back into our church? And so I'm going to share some of these things in the, in the Greek, in the Strong's Analytical Concordance or Exhaustive Concordance, the word strong is krateyo, and it means to strengthen, to confirm, to grow strong, to become strong. In the helps, word studies, this is what it says. To prevail by God's dominating strength. The spirit grew strong because it prevailed by God's dominating strength. For example, his power prevails over opposition. He gains mastery. Does your spirit gain mastery over your body? Does your spirit gain mastery over your soul? You know, it, it's sad that the Trinity of God has been so confusing to people in the church. But people in the church have got no idea that you're a trichotomy as well. God created you in his image, no surprise. Elohim is plural, God. In the beginning, God, Elohim. God the Father, God the Son, God created. God, God the Son and God the Holy Ghost said, let us create man in our image. It's plural. The angels never created mankind. The angels are destined to serve humanity. Humanity. 
That's what the Word of God says. So Elohim, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, the triune being said, let us create man in our image. You are a spirit first. You are a soul second, and you are a body. And you will never enter into divine order until you get divine order in your life. Good preaching. I don't know how many people left, but I believe more are coming in. Amen. In Mark 26, verse 41, sorry, Matthew 26, verse 41, Mark 14, verse 38, In the Garden of Gethsemane, both gospel writers record something Jesus said. He told them to watch and pray. You see, even the disciples, yeah, they did all these signs and wonders, but their flesh was stronger than their spirit. You say, how be that? Because the body was tired and spiritually they couldn't sense. They were spiritually unaware that the most important moment in human history was about to happen. Come on, if they were spiritually more in tune than their physical bodies, they would have been aware that Jesus was about to go to the cross. He was about to pay the ultimate sacrifice to redeem all of humanity. We think the disciples were spiritual because they cast out devils and healed the sick. They did that under the hand of Jesus Christ. But as individuals, they weren't that spiritual. They were still very carnal. Their body was tired and they fell asleep. Spiritually, they should have been aware, this is exciting. This is a moment. I don't know what's going to happen, but something's about to happen. Come on, guys, let's pray. Heck, when I get tired in a prayer meeting and I feel like I'm starting to doze off, I'll stand up so I'll have to fall asleep standing up. While I'm preaching, don't stand up. Well, if it'll keep you awake, stand up. That's okay, just don't walk out. But Jesus said to them, The problem is, he came to them several times and said, couldn't you pray one hour? (laughs) Yeah, let's take a poll. How many people in the church across the United States of America could pray one hour? Let's take a poll. How many people pray? Other than when they desperately need help. Jesus said, couldn't you pray one hour? And then he comes to this conclusion. He says, here's the problem. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. In the Greek, when he said the spirit is willing, the word is prothumos, and it means the spirit is eager, the spirit is ready, the spirit is willing, the spirit is prompt. In the helps word studies, watch this here. You see, your spirit wants to, your flesh doesn't. In the helps word study, prothemos properly means to be predisposed. Your spirit is already predisposed to the things of God. It is positively inclined. It is enthusiastically willing. It is eager, ready to go. It is free, not weighed down by pre-existing or preset objections or resistance. Your spirit... Eve said, God said, if we eat of the tree, we'll die. You won't surely die. The first thing that died or became dormant was man's spirit. The temptation appealed to their body and then the mind of intellect and then the mind of emotions. How did he appeal to the mind of emotions? God knows. 
He's stirred with their emotions. If you eat this, you're going to be like him. God doesn't want you to be like him. Really? And God said, let us make man in our image. The devil will lie to you and it'll be a bold-faced lie. But he'll appeal to something in your nature so that you'll believe the lie. He appealed to their body. He appealed to their soul, the mind of the intellect. This will make you, give you knowledge. And this will, uh, God doesn't want you to be like him. He appealed to their body and then their soul. It's your body and your soul that has a fallen nature. Your spirit became dormant. Psychiatry or psychology will teach you that when a human being, especially as an infant, but even older in life, if you go through horrendous, dramatic trauma, one of the things that the body does to protect you is it will black out the memory. And so there are people living out of wounds, but they don't remember large portions of their childhood. And it's a protective uh, measure that God created in the body. And God also created that the spirit would become dormant so that the spirit doesn't become polluted by a sinful nature. And because man refused to live from his spirit and he was enticed by what the body wanted and what the soul hungered for, knowledge, and he took emotional offense at God and he believed the lie, man's body and soul became that fallen element but his spirit became dormant. That's why Jesus said the spirit is willing and the word for willing means your spirit is always, always ready to agree with God. So why am I not living a more victorious life? Why am I not getting words of knowledge? Why am I not seeing in the spirit? Why am I not hearing in the spirit as frequently as I would like to? And the problem is we still have demonic disorder in our personal lives, our personal selves. We still live primarily from the from the body and from the uh, mind of our intellect and our emotions. Am I making sense here today? Yes. When Adam fell, his spirit became dormant. It ceased to function, but it wasn't tainted by sin. It didn't receive a sin nature because it was reserved for God. Man, if we could get our body and our soul transformed if we could renew our soul and get our body and our soul to come into agreement with our spirit, our spirit is always in agreement with God. We would have spiritual giants in the church. We would have men and women of faith who would be pillars. Revival wouldn't be something we look forward to. Revival would become the norm. Amen. You see, we've got to reverse the demonic disorder and get us back into divine order. And you can ask God to do it all you want, but it starts with your individual choices and your preferences. What is the priority in your life? Somebody say good preaching. When he said the body is weak, the spirit is willing, the word weak is the Greek word asthenes, and it means physically or morally, infirm, it is sick. You see, the body is fallen. We think this is natural. No, if you go back to before the fall, how my body is is unnatural. Somebody's looking at me and saying, yeah, his body's unnatural. <laughs> All right, 
Jesus is saying the body is sick, it's infirmed, it is morally weak, it is spiritually retarded. If we were to put this into modern day English, what Jesus was saying is your spirit is always predisposed to do the things of God, but your body, your flesh, your soul runs interference and it's the stumbling block. Good preaching. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17. Paul says to the church at Galatia, I say then, walk in the spirit. I say then, walk in the spirit. Listen, when we start to live in the spirit, words and knowledge will be normal. I'm, Jesus said when he, the Holy Spirit, the comforter comes, the advocate, he will tell you of things yet to come. That's prophetic. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of prophecy. We want to brag that we talk in tongues and we don't even know what's happening now, let alone happening tomorrow. I say walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Live from your spirit and your body won't have such a demand on you. Walk in the spirit, live from the spirit and your soul won't run interference. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, capital S, the spirit of God. Whenever it's capital S, it's the spirit of God. For the, lust, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Church, God always flows in divine order. And you will only get into the flow of God if you get into divine order. We want to live from the convenience of demonic disorder and every once in a while take the gas pump handle from the Holy Ghost and put a bit of God in us and never change the order of demonic disorder to divine order. If you mean business with God, don't call yourself a Christian if you're not going to live like Jesus. Come on. I don't mean perfect because I'm not perfect but I keep working on myself. I don't live in condemnation. I live in the knowledge that I am the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. But that position doesn't give me the excuse to live any way I want to. I've learned to feed my spirit more than I feed my body. Don't look at my body. If it's bigger than it should be, it's only because I feed my spirit more. I learned to feed my spirit more than I feed my soul. So in Galatians, he makes it clear, if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the less of the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit. How can I cause my spirit to grow? What, what you feed and what you exercise the most is what will be dominant in your life. And in other words, if you set your mind on what your soul and body wants, you will live according to the flesh. Here, sorry, um, how do I get my spirit to grow stronger? Romans 8, 5. Look at this. Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. And those who live in accordance with the spirit of God, da-da, have their minds set on what the spirit desires. 
In other words, if you set your mind on what your soul and your body wants, you will live according to the flesh. But if you set your mind on what the Spirit of God wants, you will live according to your spirit, which is always predisposed towards the Spirit of God, and you will live in obedience according to the Spirit of God. Amen. Yes. Am I making sense here today? You see, you could have come to church and had a 30-minute sermon and been out inside of 60 minutes, and they would have told you how wonderful you were without giving you deep spiritual insight to who you really are and why you could sing all the songs and get happy and clappy and still your life's a mess. We need somebody to be honest. But the honest truth is that if we get honest about our situation, the truth is in the Word of God, and the answers are there. Someone say yes. Here, let's go back to Jesus. It says that he grew in spirit. And I, I want to break something down. So often we read the Word, we know the Word, and yet we don't see it from a spirit level. We see it from a natural level. I want to show you something. Luke 2.40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Uh, sorry, uh, that should be... Yeah, Luke 2.40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. How did that happen? How did that happen? Oh, well, he's God. First of all, if Jesus did everything that he did because he's God, then it's blasphemy for Jesus to say, and the things I did you'll do also and greater. He didn't do what he did because he's God. He left his divinity behind and he became flesh. And he role modeled the, the role of a son towards a father and he role modeled what a new creation and what Adam is supposed to look like. Yeah, I know. But after we read Luke 2, I'm being, I'm being funny. But it is good stuff. It's from the Holy Ghost. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, after we read that the child grew in stature and became strong in spirit, verse 41 gives us, from verse 41 down, here's the key. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. This is the next verse, folks. Every year they went to the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Yeah. Three days, they saw him in the flesh again. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. This isn't a kid who spent the most of his time playing video games. This isn't a kid who spent most of his time on social media. Do you really want me to preach it? Because I'm about to say something that could get a lot of people upset. 
We are more concerned that our kids are on the soccer team, the football team, the baseball team, the um, um, uh, athletic team than we are that they are on Jesus' team. And we make a priority of everything else that will affect them in their body and affect them in their college education in years to come. And we live from the body and we live from the soul and then we want God to be everything inside of us when we deliberately make choices that make God second place. How many people are coming next week? They were amazed at what he said because he spent time in the presence of God. They were amazed at what he said because his imagination wasn't filled with Super Mario. His imagination was filled with the things of God. They were amazed at what he had to say because he spent time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We erroneously assume that he was strong in spirit, but the Bible says he grew strong in spirit. He did something. We assume it because we say, well, he was God. But the Bible says, Luke says, John the Baptist grew in spirit. How do you grow in spirit? I take the answer straight from the verses following the statement about Jesus and I find a little boy who was more concerned about the things of God than even going home with mommy and daddy. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and answers and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His parents got in the flesh. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? I'm gonna be offended. I'm sure she was Italian. She used the number one rule of guilt. She's guilt tripping him. How could you do this to me? For three days, I've been looking for you. Hey mom, why did you not notice I was gone the first second you left town? Notice he didn't call his mother out. At the end of this passage, it says he went home and was in submission to his parents. Just a note. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Look at what he says. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? We can't get to church on time. I just lost another 50. (laughs) Come on, we're talking about life decisions, priorities. Come on, I I can't tell you the truth and lie. I was hoping for a better response than that. (laughs) Heck. I can't tell you the truth and lie at the same time. I'll try one more time, Pastor Tom. Should I try one more time? Strike three and I'm out. I can't tell you the truth and lie to you at the same time. Why didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? How did his spirit grow strong? He made priority decisions that were centered around the things of God. 
We want to blame our government. Whatever party you stand for, you blame the other side, and that's why America's gone to hell in a handbasket. No, the only reason why America's gone to hell in a handbasket is because the church went there first. Come on, guys, I love you. I'm the church. I'm the church too, and I have to change. I was in prayer meeting the other morning, and poor uh, Barbara said, Pastor, you were too hard on yourself, and I appreciate her concern, but I was in the prayer meeting, and I was saying, you know, I don't hunger for God enough. I don't live in condemnation. I don't. I don't beat myself up. But I can honestly confess, I need to hunger for God even more than I do. And I want to make you hungry for God. I don't want God to ever have to be jealous over us. I want God to be hilarious because we're constantly running after him. That's the kind of people I want to raise up in the kingdom of God. Anybody want to be part of that group? How do you grow in spirit? Jesus focused on the things that were God. He made his priority, God's word, prayer, time, meditation. We pump so much garbage into our soul through the ear gate. We watch so much garbage, even political garbage on TV. We are filled with so many conspiracy theories. Can I tell you something? How about a revival theory. We're, we're filled with so much political ideologies. I, I think God gets offended by how much the church talks about uh, politics than how much the church talks about revival. Come on. Come on. Don't let your flesh get angry at me. I'm talking to your spirit. I know your spirit's in agreement. Let your spirit Loose. Let your spirit come into agreement with the word of God. I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote. and I'm not saying we shouldn't have a political opinion. Of course you should. But let your political opinions be based on the word of God. We could get into every heresy. And Paul warns the church about heresies. We could get into every political conspiracy. Listen, whether it's real or it's not real, whether it's going to happen or it's not going to happen, the best place you could be at is in the center of a revival full of the Holy Ghost. There was a famine in the land and God had trained ravens to bring the prophet food every day. Uber Eats has got nothing on God's ravens. God knows how to take care of us. The problem is we don't do a great job taking care of us. We live from the flesh and we live from the soul rather than living from the spirit. Am I talking to everyone? Yeah. John the Baptist grew. You know, when Jesus was tempted, he was led by the Holy Spirit to fast. And after 40 days of fasting, you know what Lucifer did? He said, you're the son of God. Now the Spirit of God told him, don't eat. Remember the garden? Don't eat. Satan comes and says, hey, that body... Must be pretty hungry. Let's make this spiritual so it doesn't look physical. 
If you're the son of God, how about you say to that stone to become bread and eat? He was trying to break divine order in Yeshua. And Yeshua refused to obey the voice of a demon over the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. And in every temptation that the devil brought Jesus to, you know what he says? The Word of God says. The Word of God says. What was he doing? Oh, he was resisting temptation. No, he was doing something before that. He's keeping divine order in his life. The Word of God says. The Word of God says. So when you get offended, what does the Word of God say? The issue you're offended on, what does the Word of God say? And what does God say about you getting offended in the first place? When you get all jacked up, and you're ready to bop someone in the nose or give them a, a verbal warfare, what does the Word of God say? You see, the enemy will always try to take you out of divine order because if he can take you out of divine order, it was your choice, your decision, and now he has the right to bring demonic disorder. Oh, good preaching, Pastor Rob. John the Baptist, how did he grow in spirit? Matthew 9, 14, Mark 2, 18, Luke 5, 33. They all say it a little different, but they basically say the same thing. They said to Jesus, John's disciples fast and pray often, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours keep eating and drinking. Jesus explained that later. He said, while the bridegroom is here, they're going to party, but when the bridegroom goes, they're going to fast. But notice, how did John's spirit grow? He taught his disciples to pray and fast. Ah, uh, so you're teaching us to pray and fast? So you want me to go on a hunger strike? No, fasting isn't a hunger strike. Fasting isn't to change God's mind. You won't ever change God's mind. Fasting will never twist God. He'll never say, look at that poor pitiful, pitiful thing she needs to eat. Okay, I'll do what you want. Fasting isn't to impress the religious world. Jesus said, keep your fasting in private. If everybody else knows you're fasting, you just lost your reward. See, if fasting is about everybody knowing that you're fasting, you just fed your soul. You didn't fast. Fasting isn't about impressing the demonic world. Fasting is about divine order. I am going to hunger from my spirit more than I hunger from my body. I told you that the uh, sight, the, the ability to see, the ability to hear, smell, taste, and feel, everything in the natural body corresponds first to the spirit. When your physical body's dead, your spirit in heaven will still see, your spirit in heaven will still hear, your spirit in heaven will still hear. So where's your predominant eyesight? It's in your spirit. Where's your predominant five senses? They're in your spirit. Why is it the prophet said to the church then and the prophet would say to the church today, you have eyes but you don't see? You see, we haven't made our spirit grow. And so when we fast, I am saying no to the hunger of my flesh and I'm saying yes to the hunger of my spirit. 
You know, we, we try to fast and we say, well, uh, I'm doing a juice fast. I've just juiced 54 vegetables and I'm fasting. Get off the marijuana. Get honest. Come on. I'm putting a whole grocery worth of goodies in my system, but it's juice. Come on. Uh, health issues, that's a separate issue. We'll touch that another time. But when I deny my flesh of hunger and I say yes to my spirit for hunger, my spirit just grew and my flesh just became weaker. We fast, we think it's a, it, 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 it's a strike, you know, I'm going on a hunger strike. And then we go out to the movies. Then we, we, we watch our favorite programs on Netflix. You are now entertaining the soul. The mind of intellect wants experiences. It wants to gain knowledge. The mind of the emotions wants to be thrilled. It wants to be horrified. It wants to be pleasured. It wants to feel romantic. And so we go to the movies in our living room. But I'm fasting. No, you're not. Your soul is speaking louder than your spirit because your spirit's saying, come alone and be alone with the Father. Come and read the word. Come and pray. Come and meditate. Come put some worship music on. You see, we don't understand fasting. Just like everything in the American church, we've modernized it. It is so modern. It is so hip. It is so cool. It is so comfortable. It is so convenient. God's not in it. You can write me a letter. 12749 West Hillsborough Avenue. But if you're going to write me a letter and criticize me, make sure you put your name and your address. <laughs> the letters that have no return addresses and no names, I don't even read. If it's not worth your name and you can't stand up for it, don't bother writing. I'll treat it as it deserves. Don't waste your time. I'm going to tell you the truth. I love you. I don't preach condemnation, but I will preach truth. Mm -hmm. How do we get out of the hell we're in? America's in a hell hole. We need to turn this thing around. Thank God revival's coming. But if you want to sustain revival, you won't sustain it by living from your body and living from your soul. You got to start living from your spirit. The best thing you can do to keep the fires of revival going is to throw your flesh on the fire and let it burn. Throw your soul on the fire and let it burn. Learn how to fast and pray. And when you fast and pray, it's not so that you could brag about it. It's not so that you could juice half the supermarket, the vegetable section. You know, when you fast and pray, take time away from the TV. Take time away from your buddies. Don't go out and socialize. Your soul wants that. Your body wants intimacy. So does your spirit. Your body hungers, so does your spirit. Your body thirsts, so does your spirit. Your body wants to breathe. I've said before, try to commit suicide by holding your breath. No one has ever succeeded yet. Because God put something in you that you have to breathe. Guess what? Your spirit doesn't grow if it's not breathing in the presence of God. You can find all the excuse why you woke up late and you can't get to church. But try that excuse Monday to Friday when you have to go to work. Uh, we know better. See, we're not always honest with ourselves. 
Wow, I didn't think I'd be saying all of this, but anyway, I'm too far out. I'm there. I don't have time. I could show you a heap of scriptures. Every time the, the disciples, after Jesus ascended, every time they moved in a word of knowledge or prophetically saw something, it comes after the fact that they had been praying and fasting. I, I have the verses. I don't have the time. They prayed and fasted, and they spoke prophetically. They prayed and fasted and had a word of knowledge. They prayed and fasted and had... Uh, a vision. Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Roman centurion, converted to Judaism, doesn't know Jesus, okay? Converted to Judaism, and if you read it in Acts, I think it's chapter 10, it says, I started fasting four days ago, and today, as I was fasting, he continued the fast for four days, and as I was praying, an angel appeared to me. We want to see from the spirit and live from the flesh. It won't happen. I encourage you. Anna, the prophetess, Jesus' parents came and brought him to the temple and he was prayed over by the prophet and the prophet prophesied over him. And then Anna, the prophetess, she had been a widow for something like 60 or more years and she spent her time, it says, in the temple praying and fasting. And she sees this baby, one out of thousands, and she says, this is the salvation of Israel. Come on, you can see in the spirit. But the problem is we feed our body and we feed our soul. You can hear in the spirit. Don't let some evangelist trick you and make you believe that only those superheroes can see and get words of knowledge. I can, and so can you. And so can everyone. The potential is in us. The Spirit is willing. We are predisposed to be in tune with the Spirit of God. Come on, church. It's time for us to stand up, both in the natural and in the spiritual. Let's stand. We are more concerned about the church growing numerically. And so we do everything we have to. We get rid of everything we have to so that people's flesh and people's soul doesn't get upset. And so we have large numerical churches and we have spirits that are diminished. It's amazing when revival comes, nobody watches the clock. It's interesting. When the Spirit of God comes, we all get spiritual. The way to get the Spirit of God to come is to bring divine order in ourselves. To start hungering and reading the Word of God, turning off Netflix, turning off your cable TV, turning off the news. Stop yapping about politics and start to get alone with God. Start to pray. Start to get honest with ourselves and say, God, you know what? That guy really pissed me off in church, that preacher. But he's right. And I'm sorry for being angry at him, but more than that, I am really sorry that he's right about how I live. Come on, church. America needs the church. America needs us.
Could you imagine the sadness in heaven when heaven looks over the clouds and sees Christians so busy about politics and no one's on a bended knee? <laughs> Come Holy Spirit, not my will and not my way. You see, the key to not my will and not my way is saying no to what your body wants and to what your soul wants because your spirit always wants what God wants. The first step to your greatest successes is learning to live from the spirit because your spirit will always say, Father, not my will, not my way, your will and your way be done. Did that make sense today? More importantly, did God speak to you today? Okay, I only got a few. Let me start again. I said, did God speak to you today? I bought 30 tickets for Oldsmar AMC. Today, 6 o'clock, the Jesus Revolution. I bought them for $15. I'm selling them for $5 in the foyer. First come, first serve. You say, that's not good business. You're losing $10 a ticket. No, I'm investing $10 a person. Well, if you're going to invest, why do we pay anything? Because you've got to have skin in the game. If you don't want it enough to pay $5, you ain't going to get it, even if it's free. And when I say you ain't going to get it, you ain't going to get the move of the Holy Ghost. Why did I do it? Because you can't hunger for something you don't know. I want you to see what revival looks like. You've been hearing about it. It's been breaking out around the nation. Go see. Go see what happened to the church when revival broke out. And if all those tickets sell today, I'll buy another 30. Why? I will invest in people who are hungry for God. And you know what? If those tickets sell out and you have to pay $15, you will be more blessed because you were willing to pay full price. You made the things of God a priority. As I close, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, that's the first way to make your spirit start ticking. The Bible says our spirit is dormant while our body lives in sin. Religion will never make your spirit come alive. But a relationship with Jesus will. Remember I said the divine order is God's got to be at the top. The moment you ask Jesus in your heart, it's the first step to saying, okay, God, I want you to be number one. Every eye closed right now. Everyone that's here today, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you need to raise your hand in just a moment. And I encourage you to do that. I release you. Respond from your spirit, not from your head. Say yes to God. Every one of us has sinned and every one of us has failed. But God loves every one of us exactly the way we are. He wants to have relationship with you. If you need to ask Jesus in your heart, A, because you never did it, or B, because you walked away, 
Step out of demonic disorder and step into divine order. Raise your hand right now. Come on. I see that hand. Thank you. 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 I think that's five so far. Come on. Come on. Everyone on this side is raising their hand. What about on this side? What are you all Holy Ghost rollers? Come on, who else needs to say yes to Jesus? Be honest today. Revival starts. We are revived when we start by being honest. Revival never comes to the spirit of deception. It comes to the spirit of humility. Amen. Who else wants to ask Jesus Christ in their heart? I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Ma'am, you can put that hand down. That's six. That's seven. Who else? Seven people so far in a small group like this. Come on, this is awesome. I see your hand. You can put it down. Thank you. That's seven decisions. Church, put your hands together for people. They are making brave decisions. They are making honest decisions. Some of the hands that are going up, maybe their friends think, oh, yeah, they're a Christian. But they're being honest about their internal state, and they're being real with God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. If you raise your hand, and everyone in this congregation, I want you to pray with me, but especially those that raise their hand, I want you to pray with me right now. We're going to ask Jesus Christ to do a work inside our lives. Every eye closed, every mouth open. Dear God, thank you for being honest and being real. I need real. I want to get real. Jesus Christ, I believe you are who you say you are. I need you, Jesus Christ, to come into my heart and to live inside me. I've sinned. I've messed up. You know the truth about me. And you still love me. How can I not love you? Thank you for loving me, even in my sin. Jesus Christ, I'm opening up my life, and I'm welcoming you. Take control. Come inside me. Live in me. Lead me. Guide me. I want to see in the Spirit. I want to hear in the Spirit. I want to be spiritually alive. I receive you today as you break the chains off my life and as you forgive me of my mistakes. Jesus Christ, I thank you today. I am born again and washed clean in your blood. Amen. Now, Father, I take the power you've given me and I speak to the demonic world, these are no longer your prisoners. But by the authority invested in me through Jesus Christ, I break chains, I break mental oppression, I break addictive sins, I break the power of darkness, I come against the spirit of depression and discouragement. And in the name of Jesus, these people are not yours anymore. But by the blood of Jesus, they have been plucked out of your domain. Today, they are sons, they are children, they are daughters of God. And I release them. And Holy Ghost, I release you to fill them 
with the joy of living for Jesus. And everyone said, Come on, give the Lord a shout! Yeah!